that upper abdominal fat and that just the only thing that treats that it not muscle plication not tightening the tummy wall it's weight loss if you've got extra fat there you'll have a bulge in your upper abdomen no matter what we do hey refam my name's kate and welcome back to keeping it real the podcast giving you the why behind a low bmi Look, I know we say that plastic surgery is not weight loss surgery more times than you've had hot dinners, but this episode, we're getting into the why. We're going to break down the many reasons being close to your goal weight will lead to better results, safer surgery, and most importantly, happier patients. While I have you up top though, a quick note that if you love the pod, rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Each week, we'll read out our favourite five-star review at the end of the episode. Anyway, back to surgery. From a results point of view, why is having less fat better mean better outcomes for body contouring? So body contouring surgery is essentially that. It's about contouring your body to give it the best outcome. And so the surgeries that we perform for body contouring are essentially removing skin. And so what we want to do is remove the loose skin that's empty after you've lost a lot of fat underneath. And that way we can show off your underlying shape, um, your six-pack muscles, and um, get you to the um, the best possible shape that you can get to whilst not having to deal with the fat that's not going to um, create a nice shape underneath. And one of the analogies I have is like a balloon. So um, if you're a fully inflated balloon, which is someone that is well and truly overweight, um, then the, the skin's all tight there, the, the outside of the balloon's quite tight. And what we really want is for that balloon to be completely deflated and basically almost have no air in it and you're cutting out the wrinkly skin that's left behind. And that way we can, we can actually remove everything that needs to be removed, not worried about the the air or the fat that's underneath it's going to be putting pressure back up against the the skin so you're talking about visceral fat as well so you accumulate fat in the tummy area really in two spots so one is visceral which is under the muscle around the organs and so if you're overweight you're going to have like a lot of fat around all your organs which gives that round like male sort of body habitus for want of a better term and and so we can't operate there so no matter what you do on the skin, on the surface, as Kim's saying, like we can't make that flatter. So you're still going to be round. And then the other area where there's extra fat is under the skin. And so in the abdomen, you tend to accumulate quite a bit of fat under the skin. So that becomes quite thick. So that can be five, six, seven centimetres thick. Wow. But the skin, so when, when you do an abdominal plus, you make an upper incision, then a lower incision – the groin area, that doesn't really tend to accumulate fat. So that stays relatively thin, even in people who are overweight, even in people who are obese. And so if you try and do a tummy tuck or a body lift on patients like that, you've got an upper fat flap, which is maybe five or six centimetres thick, and then you've got a lower flap, which is where the lower incision is, and that's maybe one or two centimetres thick, and you're stitching those two together and then you end up with a ledge, which is what people don't want to get. Right, right, right. So they've got a round yeah, belly yeah. plus a ledge. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like with the visceral fat, 
I think I, I can like see that where you're getting it tight and it's kind of like more in the upper part where it's like yep. where you can really see where it's like still sticking out and even though it'll be really tight, like their skin, you can see mm. that And you can pinch the skin and you can feel like there's one, two centimetres. Yeah. Like some patients will lose fat initially underneath their skin and they will mm. still have loose skin but they still have that rounded appearance. So if you do surgery on them, you'll be like, I have – taken out everything I possibly could. You have no fat under your skin. Your skin's as tight as it possibly can be. But I've still got a round belly and I'm unhappy. Mm. It's like because that is still weight loss that you need to do from the that visceral fat point of view. Yeah, yeah. and that, that ledge thing makes a lot of sense. And because like you can see that in some of our like what about before or afters where it's like if it is, mm. if they've still got a bit of weight to lose, I think that's good picture painting. Yeah, and so so some people may, may say, well, you know, just liposuction or all that mm. subcutaneous fat, and you can't just do that because you then run into issues with blood supply because the the blood supply to that skin is in amongst all of the fat, and so if you just did radical liposuction, so you can do radical liposuction, not cut skin out, but then you get loose skin, but you can't do both. So we you, we can do liposuction we. Like I probably do liposuction in eighty percent of my tummy tucks and body body lift patients, um, but it's it's very very uh, controlled and limited. And there's certain areas that I'll do it. That's a safe area to do it. But you can't just totally remove all the fat from that upper skin flap um, and do a tummy tuck and think all the skin's going to survive. And you're doing that as just pockets of con- for contouring, contouring, not for totally further weight loss totally yeah. just it's yeah. contouring it's shaping yeah um but the 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 patients with tummy tucks the the, the most difficult area when patients maybe are still carrying a bit extra weight is that is, as you've said kate is that upper okay. abdominal fat mm-hmm. and that just the only thing that treats that it not muscle plication not tightening the tummy wall it's weight loss if you've got extra fat there you'll have a bulge in your upper abdomen no matter what we do. I think I know we're often stricter on body contouring when it comes um, to making sure people are at that kind of like ideal weight or like have a BMI under 30. And we're, we're a bit more liberal with breast surgeries um, just because of the nature of the surgery. But I know that being a heavier weight as well and having more fat can also impact a breast surgery. And how does that work? So it, it impacts it in two ways. One the surgery just does take longer uh, and is uh, is more difficult. In and, and the reason for that is breast is made up of, of fat and breast tissue. So in a patient who's who's otherwise slim just has breast has just has large breasts, it's largely breast tissue, and you see all the blood vessels as you're cutting through. You see them; they just sit there. You can cauterize them or clip them or whatever you're going to do. Um, and it's all very straightforward. When there's a lot of fat in amongst all of the tissue, those blood vessels are still there, but as you're sort of dissecting through, they're harder to see. And then if if you do go through them, they sort of retract into the fat. So you then end up having to sort of try and pick them up and, and cauterize them and clip them and things like that, which you don't need to do in someone mm-hmm. who, who's a bit slimmer. The other issue then is Kim and I can only make a breast shape with the tissue that we're, that's in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so if we do a breast reduction and 
we get a shape that we're happy with and we get a size that we're happy with and all these sorts of things. And then you go on and lose weight. Well, you're going to lose proportionally some weight off your breast. So when you then deflate that breast that we've created, well, you're going to then end up with some loose skin and sagginess. And And especially if they were big, big, big to start with and, you know, poor quality skin to start with before their surgery, which is common in these patients as well. So because, like, the, stre- the skin's already stretched out Correct. so much, yeah. Yeah. it's you can't, like, get that kind of elasticity yeah. back. Yeah. Correct. So, so the difference with breast and body contouring is that, despite what I've just said, probably the result is not as compromised if you're overweight. So there's some, still some increased risk, which we'll talk about in a second, about complications, but... The result, is, unless you then go on and lose a lot of weight, the result is not as compromised as it would be with a body contouring surgery. So that's why our sort of guidelines for weight with breast reductions are maybe not quite as stringent as they are with body contouring because you've got the the, the, the two issues, the, the result and the complications. Yeah, right. The other thing I find that is extremely difficult in a patient that's overweight and is an area that I really focus a lot on in every single breast reduction patient is their sides. So if a patient has is slim and has very large breasts, their breasts often go to under their armpit and that's breast glandular tissue and there is a sort of finite end to where that is. But if someone has massive breasts and is overweight, then that outside part of their breast kind of continues under the armpit and around to their back as well. And in those patients where they can lose some weight and it ends up more as skin on the outside, then um, and sometimes on the upper back as well, uh, and I did a recent Facebook Live on that, breast reduction with upper back lift surgery, um, if there's significant excess skin, then that actually needs to be removed as well. But the side of the breast, if they haven't, lost weight and the side of their chest is an extraordinarily difficult area to get contoured well and those patients will commonly still have some degree of role really high risk of dog ears despite us extending the scar doing liposuction on the side really really focusing on that area Um, so if the weight can come out of that area then it means less surgery and more likely for a better outcome when people come back with dog ears because i know that we obviously do some surgery to uh some revision surgery on dog ears how do you like because <laughs> like is that not just an endless task where then like it if you do be. a doggy and then there's and another doggy and, absolutely. You do a doggy and there's some patients doggy. where i actually will say to them before their surgery you're still going to have a bulge and a roll at the side and no matter what i do i i'm not going to be able to fix that and you're going to have to if you're having your surgery at this weight and this shape mm-hmm. it is going to be what it is and unless we cut the scar all the way around your body I can't fix that. Yeah, okay. But the the ones that are easier to fix are where there's you know there's a tiny bit of skin and it's mm. generally not the overweight patients that have a whole lot of bulge there. Right. Now that I'm a doggy person, <laughs> shout, shout out to Lucia. Can I differentiate? Jamie has literally been your dog for 13 <laughs> years. <laughs> Poor Jamie. <Jamie's. laughs> I love Jamie for the record. Doesn't get Jamie, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> now I'm a dog person. Uh, yeah. Let's just say there are dog ears and there are puppy ears. So I had a patient today who she'd been reading stuff on forums and whatever. And in her mind, dog ears was like just the worst possible thing that could ever happen. 
Right. Okay. So if you've done the wrong operation in the wrong patient and they need, let's say, a tummy tuck and they need a body lift, yes, you're going to get a big dog ear and you need a big revision and like you need a back lift and whatever. When our patients who, who have dog ears, let's call them puppy ears, okay, it's a very, very minor procedure that we do in the office. It probably occurs in 10 or 20% of patients. We're either making it like a three or four centimetre cut or making a, a one centimetre cut and doing a bit of liposuction and we do it under local anaesthetic. You walk in, walk out and it's, it, 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 that basically resolves the problem. So if you're doing the wrong operation, the wrong patient, sure, you'll get like a big problem and that's got maybe you need to go back to surgery, maybe you need to have a total revision. But it, it, dog ears or puppy ears are really sort of nothing to really be feared. It, it's, 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 a, it's a minor um, annoyance uh, that is very readily fixed with a minor procedure. And as you said, Kate, because like, the scar has to end somewhere. So mm. whether we make an extended scar or a, a sh- short scar, there, there's a risk of that. Much more common, for me anyway, in the lateral breast than in the abdomen after a tummy tuck. Um, I know a few patients uh, come in to see us and think it's probably better to just get them started, have surgery up front, they'll lose the rest of the weight and they'll come back. Mm. Why is that not really a viable option? Can I say it again? Because I've said it so many times. <laughs> Surgery that we perform is not for weight loss. And if you've done what you think, everything that you can leading up to having surgery and haven't lost any weight, I don't know how you think that having major surgery is going to suddenly change that. And, you know, there's the odd exception to the rule, um, but really there's a lot involved in weight loss and um you know it's out of my area of expertise but um there's mindset there's diet there's a small component of exercise and all those things need to be lined up and you need to outsource help for that beforehand having plastic surgery isn't magically going to make you change any of those things afterwards and surgery is major recovery is significant you have six weeks where you can do stuff, but you're kind of sitting around feeling a bit sorry for yourself and the fridge is really close. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to kickstart a whole lot. Yeah, and like you said, like it's a major set when people are like, oh, I'll just come back again. I'm like, what yeah, are you talking no. about? You don't want to do that twice. Yeah, exactly. I, I had a patient today, um, not going to name name her, but I'd seen her, <laughs> Please a, don't. Yeah, I'd seen her a year ago Yeah, and you know, we talked about a range of surgeries. And for one reason or another, you know, I, I can't remember the details, but her surgery just got postponed, postponed, postponed. And so we arranged for her to come in for a review consultation and um, she'd gained eight kilos. Mm. And and so her surgery is scheduled for two weeks' time. And, I, like, I, I, I just – and, and there's the, I've got nothing to gain by deferring her surgery. In fact, yeah. like, I, two weeks' time, like – Maybe I'm going to end up with a like a, an afternoon off, which every, everyone forbid. everyone in this room <laughs> understands. Like that is the worst thing <laughs> that could happen to me. No one wants me to have half an hour, <laughs> half a day off. Um, but I I just said, listen, you know, we had a discussion based on expectations eight kilos ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're we're now eight kilos, you know, um, 
on and like you're talking about surgery in two weeks and like what I think I can do is very, very different. I said, let's hit pause. Let's, you know, you get everything back under control. I'm going to catch up with you in two months. If we're back down, either we're going to be back down, you know, at the weight we started at or not. Mm. But then we can have another discussion and say, okay, game on, you're at your target weight, we can go. Or you're not and then we need to change what we're all thinking is going to be the outcome. Um, But, you know, like we take this very, very seriously and sometimes to our, our, our detriment. Like this, you know, it's going to be a nightmare for poor Liv. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that about that eight kilos, which, you know, it kind of it depends on the patient, but it doesn't necessarily sound like a massive amount. I had a patient today, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing a story, was about to get married at this, and then COVID hit, and so she had her wedding dress fully fitted and everything. Mm. She said she's put on eight kilos since that time. She's come in today for a breast reduction consult, first time I've ever seen her, but she said... The measurement of her chest when she tried to fit on her wedding dress, 24 centimetres mm. bigger. Mm. So, like, I, Kate's face, but oh I God. honestly nearly fell off my chair. And I'm like, that entire eight kilo. So it just depends on the patient, like, mm. yeah. where that's gone. For her, clearly, totally. she's put eight kilos on <laughs> above her belly button around her chest, relate. I'm sure. And I'm <laughs> kind of like, happened to me? <laughs> holy, yeah. No, it Every time I gain weight, it never seems to be that like, I was, I was... And she is clearly can document that, and it's mm. like, whoa, okay, like that is huge, and it, yeah, yeah, get that eight kilos off, and we're we're dealing with, you, know, you still need a breast reduction, but yeah, the the shape of that is going to be so completely different. Well, at this point, let me introduce the kettlebell of shame. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I've recently no visual props. Uh, I've, okay. I've recently purchased a kettlebell. Which I love. I love kettlebells, but not I've sponsored. I've, <laughs> not sponsored. I've I've brought one. Iron Edge. <laughs> I've brought one into my. It's now in my consulting room, and I can use it for deadlifts and squats in between patients. How many kilos is it? Twenty. Twenty. And 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 when you show and I and I show patients both ways. So patients who've lost you know that amount of weight, I say lift this up. This, this is how much weight you've lost. It is mind blowing. So this patient today, I said I brought out that kettlebell and I said, well, you've almost put on half of this. Mm. And it, like it's a lot of weight. Yeah, it's, yeah. When it's like nothing. No, I was just about to go into my own personal anecdotes, which we don't have time for. <laughs> okay, so safety on the table is also a huge factor when it comes to being. Uh, massively overweight or why is that um there's there's sort of a, a range of things we talk about in terms of safety so there's the anesthetic um so uh, someone that's overweight their ventilation is harder their their breathing their just their recovery in general from anesthetic is going to be more difficult um there is uh wound healing is so surgical factors so wound healing is there's clear scientific evidence that that is um, delayed in patients that are overweight and smoking is the other major thing I'll rant about it rant away rant rant (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, smoking uh, contracts blood vessels and wounds don't heal Um, and yeah wound healing um, so the the outcomes from the surgery in terms of um, that increases your risk of infection seroma, um, getting lumps of fat that don't survive the surgery um, and end up 
uh, necrosis, so that's some death of tissue <laughs> underneath. And so, so what does that mean when you say like it doesn't survive the surgery? So like it, I mean, like you obviously it's haven't suctioned it out, so it's not been liposuctioned, no. but the so trauma blood, to it has died. Yeah, so a blood supply issue. So right. uh, from Richard's um, talking about the thickness of the fat of the upper flap of the abdomen, for mm-hmm. example, so we have to put sutures into a deeper layer of that um, and then into the skin. So um, some layers of that fat, particularly the edge of that flap, may not – so skin, if it dies, it kind of goes black and scabs and looks, um, peels off and then eventually heals. But fat, if it doesn't have a good blood supply or is traumatised by those sutures, if there's too much of it, if it loses its blood supply, rather than just completely dying, sort of disappearing, it tends – to turn into oil cysts that then get scar around the outside of it. So it ends up as a firm, hard, lumpy area. Uh-huh. Um, so not uncommon in patients that are overweight along the scar of their uh-huh. abdomen, um, sometimes can be present in, in breast tissue as well. What do you do to fix that? Um, so you leave it until it settles down as much as possible. So sometimes it actually becomes more obvious as the patient heals because they've got less swelling around um but some sometimes it will shrink off a little bit massage um but generally once it gets to about six months not going to change a whole lot so you live with it or you have to have more surgery to excise that area out and some patients get it that are not overweight but it's much much more common in those patients that have got more fat that have got potential to turn into that and then the other sort of post-operative complications are not purely surgery related um, things like DVT chest infection so if you're less mobile um, if you've got um, varicose veins which are more common in overweight patients there's there's a lot more risk um, of other medical type of complications as well right uh, how how about how does it impact recovery well I think I mean any wound issue that you might have or anesthetic issue is going to delay your recovery so you know if you've you've had you know difficulty with your um, anesthetic and you might get maybe what kind of difficulties can arise from anesthetics yeah so um, more likely to get sort of parts of your lungs that don't uh, aerate so you get collapse of the lung which Ah. then can lead to sort of a pneumonia or infection Um, it, it can be more difficult to intubate someone so actually put the tube in um, you know, if you go right down to it, it's actually it can be harder to even get a drip in um, because it's harder to find a vein. Um, so, and then you know, if you look at the stuff that we're doing and the wound healing or a seroma, uh, all of those things just slow you down, so you're less mobile, and like just one thing leads to another, and and so you, you walk less, you move less, you, you get more stiff, you're slower, wound healing problems, more time off work, more visits to see us. Um, yeah, do you tend to see more patients who are overweight coming back in with complications? Like, are they spending more time in the rooms? With right. Definitely. Yes, I absolutely. Mean, no, I mean, you, you do an operation on someone who's BMI in normal range. Yeah, we basically see them at two weeks and it's like, well, everything's going great. We'll see it six weeks. Whereas the other, the other group who – and and Kim and I, we don't really operate on patients who are – you know, significantly over 30, um, be very rare for, for me to operate on even over 28 at BMI. But, um, you know, some, some, 
that's not a hard and fast rule, but it's definitely a hard and fast rule that they come back in here more often with, you know, just mi- sometimes minor things, but sometimes more significant things as well. I think the other thing about recovery is that if someone is a very active person before their surgery, and that doesn't have to mean they're going to the gym seven days a week. If they are um, active, getting up, going for walks, walking the dogs, um, doing a, a get up and go type of a person and mo- mobilising a lot before their surgery, that person's absolutely going to do a lot better afterwards because they're they're motivated to get back to gym or get back out walking their dogs and all those things afterwards. So um, that that definitely impacts on yeah right. Interesting. How prolonged their recovery is going to be. Have you guys ever had patients who could have been closer to their goal weight but went ahead with surgery anyway and regretted it? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do definitely. But let let me Mm. sort of circle back. Um, because I've recently had a patient who I'd seen, you know, with COVID, schmovid, like everything's sort of been delayed, but a, a patient I'd seen and there'd been a bit of time in between and she turned up for surgery on the on the day and I saw her and I just thought, whoa, like I'm surprised like I'd sort of, you know, agreed to do her surgery. And so I had her weighed and she, I can't remember exactly, but I think she'd put 10 kilos on from when I'd seen her until um when she turned up for surgery and um it was a really difficult scenario and i've never i actually hadn't been in the position before um but i like i was really concerned i was concerned that we sort of have complications at a higher rate than what we discussed i was concerned we wouldn't get the result that we discussed and so i i sat down with her and i said look i like you know not like the whole team is there. Like I've got the whole afternoon basically booked for her. Yeah, I think it was like a, like it was like a whole yeah, day surgery. Big day, yeah. yeah. And I, I said, look, I, I just don't think it's in your best interest to proceed, which is a pretty confronting conversation. Like she's in her – like everyone who's listening who's been to surgery, this is in the like where I'm marking you up room. And so – but, you know, I've still – you know, I'm a doctor. Like first thing, you know, I'm, a do- I'm a doctor. So I don't want to like cause harm. And so I had this conversation. I said, look, I, I don't think we should go ahead. Like, you know, you, you put on 10 kilos and, um, and you know, she was terrific. She was great. And she said, look, I, you know, I really appreciate it. appreciate the honesty. Uh, and I had to go and tell the whole team that we had the afternoon off and that didn't go down terribly well either. But, um, you know, like from a surgeon's point of view, like I don't know how that's going to go, like whether she's, you know, going to go home and go, oh, you know, terribly wouldn't operate on me and, whatever but she was great she she booked back in yeah no no she 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 came back in um and we had a really really long chat and like there are a whole lot of other things going on at the time and she said like i'm actually really grateful that you actually stopped me because it was actually really bad it was kind of like this was just sort of the expression of a whole lot of other things that were going on in her life and so it absolutely wasn't the right time for her aside from the the weight gain for her to have the surgery at that time and so you know we had a discussion we set some goals and like i think like you know she's still going ahead and i'm catching up with her probably between now and the end of the year and hopefully she's reached a target and then we'll be able to go ahead as we had originally planned and that that's an awesome 
outcome and that obviously it was handled very well by you and the team and everything. But even if she was really, really upset and unhappy mm. and never came back to see you, I, I bet you have zero regrets about no. operating on her that day. And that, no and that's, you know, we just did the other podcast about cosmetic surgery mm. and, you know, there are a lot of people out there that would be like, yeah, well, she's paid her money, she's here, like, oh, well, I'll just do the best I can and um, it, it's not going to end up well for everybody. Mm. I just want to have a slightly contrary patient to that. So yeah. I had seen her just pre-COVID and she was booked for a tummy tuck and she wasn't a terrible um, candidate for that but when you look back at her original photos and then where she actually got to, so she got postponed early on in COVID and she was like, you know what, this is a sign, I'm going to work my butt off mm-hmm. and I can't remember exactly how much weight she lost but around 10-ish kilos I think so I, I did her abdominoplasty and super result and then she kept training bodybuilding and she's lost even more weight she's so ripped and that's you know it's a mm. good news story when you see yeah. and if when she's actually been back and had um, some breast surgery mm. and I look back at her original photos and and we both are kind of like Thank goodness we didn't do surgery on you then because look how rocking and how amazing and fit and healthy. And she's her mindset is unbelievable and she's the the best outcome. With that, so like um, did her skin kind of adapt to the new body like post-tummy tuck and then her losing more weight because she was like growing in muscle as well? And because, yeah, because it wasn't, it was all over and she was was pretty slim by the time she had um, her surgery. Um, yeah, she, she did incredible. Yeah, nice. Nice work, team. Everyone Thanks. say bye. 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 If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.